my grandparents were Christians and, I, and played a huge role in my spiritual formation as well. But it wasn't until the age of 13 that I publicly proclaimed him through baptism. Um, by the grace of God, my precious, obedient mother, Ruth Ann Decree, had the courage to follow the Holy Spirit um, and, uh, and lead us to Grace Community Church. When everyone else in our black neighborhood were going up the street to the Baptist church around the corner. And it's emotional for me if you know my mother and what's going on with her, and that's why. Mm -hmm. um, but I love her so dearly. Mm -hmm. I know it had to be hard for her. Um, and I know um, it, when you grow up, she didn't choose our culture, and I'm just thankful for that. I grew up at Grace Community Church with John MacArthur as a teaching pastor. Uh, when I was 13, I can remember Grace had just hired a new junior high pastor, and his name was Chris Mueller. And he was on fire for the Lord. He made learning about God fun. I was at church three or four times a week. My mom was in the choir. I was in the children's choir. Um, we had a one on Wednesday nights at that time. John was still speaking on Sunday nights. And shortly after I... Um, Chris Miller arrived to Grace. Uh, Grace had the entire body watching this movie that depicts what the tribulation was all about. It was a scare straight moment for me and every other teenager in junior high. <laughs> I didn't want to be left here. I didn't want to be left behind. I didn't want, I didn't want to be left in the tribulation. So I hurried to proclaim him and I wanted everyone to know who I serve. John baptized me also and the reason I tell you that is because I can remember still to this day and of that night that I got baptized during the day we were counseled on what we believed to make sure we understood I believed every junior high student understood we were just playing church since we were young we were always taught sound doctrine and we were just comfortable and while hearing the other adult testimonies I felt mine was kind of boring um, when it was my turn to get into the waters with John, I almost changed my testimony because I wanted one of those ones that sound very interesting. But John kept me on track because he had already heard it earlier. Thank the Lord. It wasn't until I got much older when an older woman came to me because I struggled with that. I, I remember I wanted to proclaim the Lord, but I wanted one of those grabbers. You know, you wanted one of those. And I remember when I got older, an older woman came to me and said, your testimony can still lift up others. It's, an encour it's encouraging to hear you walked your walk of faith at an early age. Um, and then there's always going to be someone like you that will be listening and will be able to relate to because they had a similar story. Um, can we open up with prayer? I don't know if you want to put this on me now, but can we open with prayer? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and thank you for every woman here. Father, thank you for the opportunity to present your word. God, guide me through this lesson and let them hear you through me. This world is always trying to destroy what you have built up and brought with a price. Help us to remember to tune out the world and to listen to you as you guide us. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, today, I wanted to talk about what would a Titus II woman look like in today's society? And before I even uh, start this lesson, at Grace, it was a 
great opportunity growing up there. I had, um, even with John's family, just the families there, we were so connected. And I had people invested in me when I was little and all the way up until now. And my Titus too is someone that was invested in me and knew me at the age of seven. Um, this woman, she's not here today. If anyone knows me, they may have seen her a couple months ago when I had her here for Jenna's shower. But such a precious, precious um, woman that was always invested in me and in my family and in our lives. But let's talk about women of today are facing a lot of pressure. And in today's society, women are being empowered more than ever. Can you think of some of the things that they're saying about women or what they want us to believe about women? How about we deserve so much more? There's no limit to what we can accomplish. How about do what makes you happy? Or you get in life which you have the courage to ask for. That last one came from Oprah herself. <laughs> do what makes you happy. Culture is toxic for Christians. Modern feminism isn't new. It flourished throughout the Roman Empire, and it played a huge, um, it, it, it posed a huge, I should say, threat in the early church. We are not called to do what makes us happy. We are called to do what glorifies God. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to decide if we're going to follow him or this world. Following him means obeying his word, while aligning ourselves with his will as we pursue godliness? Or should we listen to worldly things, worldly views, because it makes us feel good about ourselves and what we can accomplish? Sometimes we do. And during those times, we dismiss what the Bible says. We find ourselves saying certain passages in the Bible is not for this time, um, or not for us, by saying that doesn't apply today. Have you ever heard that? Or have you ever used that? Probably one passage we look at but look over is Titus 2, 3 through 5. I'm not sure how you felt about this passage before today or how you even applied it in your life. You may be saying, that would be great to have an older woman teach me. Or maybe you'd be saying, is it, is it too late for me? I would love an older woman in the faith to teach me. Or you may be saying, let's, mm, let's try that later because I don't want anyone to see me or, or to really see the true me yet. Or there's an older woman in the faith that had no idea younger women wanted their guidance. Was that passage even for us? Or just that, treat, or just that church in Crete that Paul was addressing? Before we look at Titus 2, 3-5, let us remember as women of God, our daughters of the king, we are family. He is our father and we are his family through faith in Jesus Christ. And nothing or no one can break that bond. Do you call him Abba? How about father? If you don't feel that close to him yet, you will. It will come as your knowledge and experience of him grows. As daughters, we are called to live out biblical truths, in which in all cases are timeless truths that help us live godly lives while bringing others to him. Second um, Timothy 4, 3 through 5 tells us that a time is coming when people will no longer endure sound doctrine. They will pursue their own passions 
and turn away from listening to the truth. Isn't that already happening? This is a me world and the focus isn't anything eternal. So we as women of God need to be intentional in our pursuit of godliness. I don't know if you know about now, by now, but this world we live in will not get better. <laughs> and obeying God in it is like running a race. And we need to be prepared for each battle ahead as we become like him. There are three easy steps we must do to check if we're prepared for this race as we live for God. We must read the Bible daily and saturate ourselves in it. Memorize scripture, meditate on it. To get going, start with worship during this time. Worship helps me to focus on him. It is how we express our love to God. Create your own music playlist. This time with our Father is essential. We must spend time in the Word to live the Word. We must spend time in the Word to live the Word. Amen. The second step is prayer. How is your prayer life? Communication with God through, through prayer keeps us focused on Him and eternal things. And the third step is to seek others in the faith for Christian fellowship. Fellowshipping with other believers is what God intended for us in the body. Meeting often with other believers allows us to have and follow Jesus' examples of love. Isn't it easier to love Christians? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I find joy and encouragement around the body of Christ. When we do, you know we are fulfilling one of his greatest commandments, and that is to love one another. And that's where Titus 2 comes in. In my observation, Titus 2 is describing a lifestyle discipleship as we fellowship with one another, which is in a relationship, but by means of transmitting godliness that God intended for the women in the body of Christ. Here in Titus 2, Paul addresses the leaders in Cretan church on how to live godly. I love how he urges the men first. But then he clearly instructs us women on how to live godly lives. How can we embrace these truths today? Let's open up our word, our Bibles, and, and let's read Titus 2, 3 through 5 together. Or if you don't have your, oh, I'm sorry. Titus 2, 3 through 5. I'm doing the ESV. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Those guidelines, those 12 virtues that we just read is Christ's method for strengthening every marriage, every family, and every individual in this church. That's his method. If you didn't hear me, it's his method of strengthening every marriage, every family, and every individual in his, this is his church. Titus 2, um, God calls 
to older women to employ five virtues. Older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders. Reverent, honorable, dignified, slander. I don't know if you know this, but it's a term used in the New Testament 34 times to describe Satan. Not slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. Hey, what is good? The things that please God, the things that glorify God, the things that honor God. Um, the older women are to admonish the younger women to love their husbands and their children. These older women are spiritually healthy women while displaying examples of godliness. I believe we should all be this woman or on our way to becoming this woman. The youngest woman here, or the youngest girl here, can be preparing to be a Titus II woman right now. We have young ladies and small girls in our church who are looking to you for examples. Okay, you may say, who are the older women? Paul didn't give an answer, he didn't give an age. I believe he meant older women is someone who has been walking with God long enough to have experienced enough trials and to have found the Lord faithful through all those hard times. I also believe that an older woman is someone who would be familiar with scripture to draw to them while utilizing discretion and wisdom when she counseled. When describing the older women, John MacArthur says, their own examples of godliness give older women the right and credibility to instruct younger women in the church. You may be saying, uh, just to be sure, how does a woman of today honor God while being an example to others? Number one, they must not be slander. They must not slander others. Unlike the Cretan society Paul was addressing, we as believers are held to a higher standard. It was acceptable for the women of Cretans to slander one another. Slander is making untrue statements about another person, damage of one's reputation or gossip. You may not be guilty of verbal slander or even gossip, but are you someone with your words or pictures on social media sending a different message? For example, you may be faithlessly labeling your gossip as a prayer request for someone else. Or did you hear? Please pray for her. James 3, 2 through 6 tells us a tongue out of control indicates a life out of control, and both can cause much destruction. The second thing, they must not be slaves to much wine. My understanding of this is not to be addicted to wine. Drinking wine is not a sin, but being drunk is. Ephesians 5.18 teaches us that true communion with God is not persuaded by drunkenness, but by living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I also believe there's a problem if we use wine as to escape the things of this world, like our marriages or raising our children. A good question would be to ask yourself, is this drink controlling me in my circumstances or am I in control? Um, you're, you probably just said to yourself, I doubt if anyone here has that issue. But what about the modern day woman? Are you enslaved to social media, food, Facebook? your phone, you need to ask the same question. Is that controlling me and my circumstances or am I in control? We should not be enslaved or controlled by anything other than Christ, which is in us. First, 
Corinthians 10.31 would be a good verse to reference. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Third, they should teach others what is good. What is good? We said that earlier. Anything that honors God. The older women would need to be diligent in this area even more because today's culture has totally redefined what is good, right? The older woman is not perfect, but we should be able to look virtually at any mature woman in the church and see a similarity between her life and this passage. Her life ought to exhibit spiritual maturity that is rooted in God's word. The older woman must train the younger woman. When you hear the word train, put faithfully, discipline, teach over time in its spot. When you hear me say it, this will not be achieved overnight. This comes with the relationship. The older woman's goal will be to teach, discipline, and correct. If you are the younger woman, my advice would be to humbly accept their wisdom. The dictionary, the Bible themes, defines discipline as a loving and corrective training that leads to maturity, responsibility on the part of those who experience it. So remember, when I say train them, I'm saying faithfully, discipline, teach over time. The older women are to teach or to train to love their husbands and children. By the way, this is a Christian woman's non-negotiable responsibility. There are no givebacks. <laughs> our devotion to God is first, while our devotion to our husbands closely follows. As you share life's experience of pursuing your family in love, faithfully teach the younger women to love their husbands. Wow, such love is a powerful testimony in a culture where women are being pressed into being worldly, self-seeking, independent, and do-their-own-thing women. Train them to be self-controlled and pure. To be self-controlled, we know, means to use wisdom and discernment. While sexual purity is clear, pure also means to stay pure in your thinking and in your behavior and in your actions. The older women are to train them to be busy at home. Now, does this mean that all moms are stay-at-home moms? I struggled with this. This is something each woman and husband must prayerfully consider. Paul addressed it because the Cretan woman in his day had issues with being lazy and interfering in other women's lives in a condescending, judgmental way. The thinking was, if you're a busybody always focusing on others, you're neglecting your home. But we have been called to be keepers of our home. So if you're a stay-at-home mom, a mom who works outside the home, how are you managing your home? Are you being good stewards of what God has given you? Like I said, this was my struggle because I worked outside the home. Um, it was a battle for me to be a good steward of my home. I can remember there were times when I would feel like I was the only one attending to everything not to mention the emotional needs of my family. And no one was left to care for me. Wow, that kind of sounds self-centered. Whenever you can throw in that many eyes and then throw in a me, <laughs> that's not centered on self, that's centered on Christ. But that's what I was going through at that time. Um, the older women are to train them to be kind and submissive to their husbands. In a godly union, such as marriage, we are called to submit to one another out of reference for Christ. To be kind and submissive is based on God's will, and we are to submit out of obedience to him. 
John MacArthur says, if you not, you can't tell by now, um, I get a lot, everything from John. Uh, <laughs> and it's just hard, it's growing up, it's just, it, it just someone you can trust and believe in, and I'm so thankful. Um, John MacArthur says, this virtue is unconditional. It's based on God's will and not on your husband's worthiness. Paul lays out the foundational principle of submission. So let's turn to Ephesians 5. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 22 to 23. And here Paul applies it to the wife first. Remember how I got all excited? He urged the man. But here he applies it to the wife first. Ephesians 5, 22 to 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church his body, and is himself its savior. The spirit-filled wife recognizes her ultimate submission is to the Lord. She realizes that her husband's role over her is a reflection of Christ's own headship of the church. I can honestly say, when I change my focus of submission and focus on God and his grace while trying to understand his will, I began to look at my husband with grace. And it helped our marriage. Younger women, this is for you. God gives you seven non-negotiable virtues for you to learn. My advice would be to look for what is good. Sometimes we're looking for what is perfect. When you begin looking for this older woman, look at her heart. She may not be a Bible scholar, but she may have raised children who love the Lord. And it's evident that she loves her husband. Also, humble yourselves and ask someone to invest in you. Or are you hesitant? Because to ask an older woman to, to mentor or discipline you, it would open up your life to scrutiny and require some self-discipline on your part to change or grow. Younger women, be discerning. Remember, no one is perfect. I urge you to be like the Bereans who filter everything through Scripture. I challenge the children in KFC all the time when I teach a lesson. I would ask them a question and I allow them to use their Bible as their guide uh, for them to give me an answer. Um, but when they're wrong, because they didn't use God's word, I ask them, where'd they get that answer? From God or from man? Younger woman, you still need to be discerning and you still need to be vigilant yourself. And remember I said, we should all be this woman or be on our way to becoming this woman. Younger woman, are you thinking about that woman that maybe that can be that Titus to right now for you? Older women, my advice for us would be to, number one, pray and ask God to lead you. As older women in the faith, in order to make disciples faithfully, we need to take Matthew 28 seriously. Go, therefore, and make disciples. That wasn't just for Promise Vaughn. Okay, <laughs> or Kathy Jensen and all you Nakamoras to obey. <laughs> How are we making disciples? His final word should be our first work. Pray and ask him to give you courage. Older women, pray for potential women. Before Jesus approached his 12 disciples, he prayed. He prayed all night, but he prayed. Pray that God leads you to women and that he sends women to you. Young women are all around. Make a list. You may have more than one. 
Older women, be intentional. The definition for discipleship is intentional equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. Older women, extend an invitation to them. However you choose to approach these potential women, share with them what God has put on your heart. You may say something like this. Hi, um, I've been praying. You may do it on a text. You may do it email. You know, this is all new, modern day. You may not do it in your face. It's probably easier. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I've been praying about asking if you would join me as your Titus II mentor. We will read the Bible together. We'll fellowship together, pray, journal, etc. Would you be interested in praying over the next few weeks to see if something, if this is something God leads you to do? And then set a time to meet. Once she has made time to pray and, and decide if she wants to commit, you can meet. And I think the last thing would be seek, seek biblical counsel, older women. It is wise to have access to more seasoned women in the faith whom you can call and seek biblical counsel when needed. You don't have to give names. Um, right in front of you, we have a self-evaluation. But before I go over that, I want to talk about my Titus II um, woman that's been my relationship, discipleship, all these years in my life. Um, I asked a younger woman earlier, are you thinking about that person right now? Or you thinking about that woman? Is it someone you're thinking, oh, I should get her, but she's all up in my business. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's the best one. She is already invested, okay? She is. And those are the ones that already want to know about you, want to probably babysit your kids if she's already in your business. But I really believe, and I, I talk about my Titus too, and her name is Delphine Bates. She's still at Grace. Um, I talk about her all the time because I know she found me first, but she was invested in my life when I was younger. So she knew everything about me. And one thing I loved about her, I was able to watch her raise her children. As a young girl, I remember seeing how her children adored her. And I was like, oh, I got to be that kind of mother. But she's still invested in me. She's invested even in my family's life, my, my siblings. My mom had six kids. Um, one passed away when he was 27, but the, all of us, even during that time, Grace Community Church and the family was family. And I know they're the same. Um, but my Titus too, I would ask her questions. I know you're probably saying I'm gonna keep some of this stuff away from my Titus too. I gave her everything. <laughs> I gave her everything. I can tell you a story just really quick and I, I was talking to my daughter about it and she's like, mom, you better get permission to ask your sister if you can share this and I did. And my sister was so willing to say, of course. But my oldest daughter was probably five years old when my um, parents had moved away, my dad had moved to Louisiana, he had retired. My mom went out that way to Ruston, Louisiana. My oldest sister, who had young children at the time too, her and I are the only two that even gave my mother grandchildren. They all left. I had my mother-in-law who lived next door, who was a Christian also, but I really didn't have like a, um, I had my Titus too, and I had my husband, I should say. And I remember my sister called home this one Thanksgiving, and Jessica was only five. So if Jessica was five, Jenna was three, Jay was two, and Jalen was one. And I didn't really know what else to do. You know, she called and said, hey, I want to talk to you. She said it over the phone. So maybe you guys, you can do the thing over the phone. It's less scary. Um, <laughs> she had expressed to me that she was gay. 
And I said, whew, how am I going to do this without my family and everyone else? And, and I listened. I know James and I prayed about it, um, talked about it, and I went to my Titus too. She gave me such the best advice that you can never imagine. I thought at the time, do I tell people at Grace? You know, this was in the 80s. This was something that, you know, people were dying over HIV and everything else. And I thought, whoo, I don't really want her to be judged. I don't want her to have to go through that. But she needed to know it was a sin and she was in her sin. And I remember in this conversation, I just said something real plain. And if you know me, I try to keep it. I dummy it down. And I try to keep it real plain. And I said, did John ever teach about two women or two men? I remember asking her that. And I heard her out and I, um, I waited. Uh, weeks had passed and I brought it to my Titus too. And boy, did she help me. She said, first, Fonda, you love your sister. You need to be able to show love through this. And I thought, how are we going to do this? Okay. But I didn't, you know, I just didn't want, my whole worry at the time was what everyone else thought. Um, but I knew, I saw her being baptized. She grew up in that same house I grew up in. So this was going to be a struggle, and I didn't really want to burden my parents yet. So I, instead of going to my mother, who was a similar Titus too, but I went to this woman, and we came up with some guidelines for my sister, it, along with my, I remember my husband too, and, and you know what? If we're going to be in this lifestyle, we're going to have to have boundaries. I had babies at the time. And one thing about Jessica, Jessica was so smart, and she Love the Lord. I didn't want Jessica worrying so much about my sister at the time. So I said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We're going to have rules. So I had boundaries. So I said, in front of my children, you will not display any public affection. Okay? I said, we're going to keep that out. Because I know all of them, Jessica would probably break down and start praying for you. Because she'd be like, oh, mom. <laughs> she going, you know, she going to burn. But... <laughs> All I kept doing during this whole time, I you have to have boundaries, but you have to love them in it. You have to love them through it. Amen. And I know I kept praying and asking God, even if I don't see it on this side of heaven or this side, please have her come back to you. I saw her. This is a sister. Um, we grew up in a small town in Bacoima, and I remember we had a three-bedroom house. This sister and I share beds. So her and I were real close, and she looks just like me. When you see her, you're going to think it's me. So all I kept thinking was, this is my sister. I am close to her. What else can I do? So during the whole time, I would give her scripture. I give her in the Old Testament what it says. I give her in the New Testament how she's not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. I give her all that. But during that time, I also had to take, I had to be in her life. I remember she moved away to um, San Luis Obispo, and she was living with an older woman. And I was like, oh, okay, this is really going to prove um, if I am really um, her sister or actually if I trust God. And she wanted me to come because they always used to have those big country fairs up there. And she wanted me to come and bring the kids. And I was like, oh, where are we staying? Are we, we going to stay at the hotel? Are we going to do? And I couldn't. I remember staying with my, taking my kids and staying with her. And I remember asking God and praying that he would cover my children every time we were um, with them. But I also wanted my sister's friends, to know who the Lord was. So I had to show in my life um, Christ. It was hard. 
And I can be on, I can honestly tell you when she did come back, it took her 20 years. But when you think about it, you read the scripture, nothing came that fast. So during that whole time, nothing. So I'm, I'm looking in the scripture, going through this in like 40 years, really, Lord? I gotta so that's when I gave it to him. I said, if I go to heaven and, and she did, I'm okay with that. But I had to trust him. I had to be able to um, walk him through and, and go walk with her through this. My Titus too, and I give you a little secret about her. She's so cute. She's so funny. Um, I said, what else do I do? She said, why don't you pray? Every time they, they're together, then it makes them sick. <laughs> I said, really? And I just thought that was so profound. I thought, okay, yeah, because they wouldn't like, you know, doing all that or whatever, but it would make them sick. So she used to tell me things like that, but then we would faithfully um, pray for her salvation. Um, one thing about my sister, she did come back. She was rebaptized. Um, wow, I guess about eight, nine years ago. And uh, she re rededicated her life to the Lord and has been on two mission trips already. And there's nothing but her Savior that she wants to live for. It's hard. I know it's hard for her because a lot of her friends are not in that lifestyle. They don't want that. Um, so it, I have to be her friend, even though she lives in Louisiana. I got to be everything for her because those friends, she needs new friends now. But one thing I can honestly say, and I'm going to leave you with is because she would say, Fonda, you were the only one that led me to scripture. People would say, you know, that's wrong what you're doing. You know, she and I look alike. I like dresses. She likes um, wearing pants. We were both very athletic. We both had scholarships. Um, I went to Oregon State to play basketball. She went to Texas A&M. Had an older sister that went to Arizona State also. And they were more tomboyish. I was more the girly girly. So even after a game, I wanted to make sure I looked like a girl. <laughs> Um, it was always comfortable for her to just to put on pants and put on shorts and put on, you know, and so you, she got those stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And I used to hate how people looked at her. And I'm like, you're not looking at her heart. What about her heart? You know, so I can honestly say she said even family members had shunned her for a little bit. Mm -hmm. She said that you were the only one that loved me through it. Mm -hmm. And you pointed to scripture. You show me the verses, you know. And you prayed with me, you loved on me. My goal was to make sure that everyone's salvation, every friend she had, because it's not, it wasn't just one girlfriend. You know, they she went through and um, had different ones. But my goal was always put Christ on display. Mm -hmm. So if that can encourage you, I know you're thinking, um, you didn't even go through what we went through right now, you modern day women. I know you're probably thinking that, but um, this is so prevalent right now. Um, if you could, if that can help you, and that's what that was for. Um, I thank God, you know, for all of you um, to train or disciple women is not easy. You know, I have four daughters myself. Women, we are different. <laughs> we are, you know, we are emotional, um, but we need each other. Okay, and this is such a wonderful church to be a part of. I know one of my daughters was saying because my what's going on with my mom. Our church has really stepped in just to be our family. Um, and it's just nice that we have that here. But I want us to be able to strengthen this even more with this. And we should be able to make this a priority. You guys think we can be able to do that here? Amen. So let's, um, if you ask, I should say, and finally, if we believe that Titus 2 is for us and is timeless, how do we accomplish this? How do we make this type of discipleship a lifestyle and priority? I just jot down a couple things so you guys can start thinking about how it would kind of look like. 
is sitting at a Chick-fil-A or in and out with someone face-to-face while the kids are playing in your view. You may be nursing while trying to unload last night's argument you had with your husband. It's meeting with your tightest two mentor while running errands. It may be over folding clothes in your home while the children are taking a nap. Older women, it is letting your mentee get off her chest how overwhelmed she is while you listen compassionately, pointing her to God's word and finishing with prayer. That was all I needed to realign myself to the Savior. Your encouragement may come in a text or FaceTime. Forgot about saying that. (laughs) If you can't meet in person. So I encourage you um, to do that and to prayerfully, you know, have God lead you. On your program, it says, let's take a self-evaluation. See on the back? Let's do that. I'm going to talk you through it. Five is going to be your yes. One would be your no or highly favors your five. Am I reverent in my behavior? Respectable. Appropriately, appropriately behaving as a woman of God. Am I a slander? Do I pass on stories that discredit or make others look bad? Am I quick to believe and repeat things that are negative about others? Or do I like to know stories that, have, that highlight bad attributes in the lives of people I know? So good is five. Five is the best. One would be like your no or worse. <laughs> Am I a slave to much wine? Even some Christian circles, I remember hearing when I had babies, um, but my youngest is 23, um, women saying, can't wait to put the kids to bed and chill out with a nice glass of Merlot. Am I living for mental numbness that won't actually satisfy? Am I dependent on anything, food, social media? Is there anything enslaving me besides Christ? Do I teach what is good? Does the counsel that I give come from scripture? Do I teach wise counsel from God's word? Things that are right and noble and encourage others to see the world through God's perspective and what he calls good. Do I train, faithfully discipline, teach over time younger women to be affectionate and loving towards their husbands and children? Or do I commiserate with complaints? or put on a show of affection for family and the women around me to see? Do I train, faithfully discipline, teach over time, younger women to be self-controlled? Do I encourage others to govern their own spirits and feelings according to God's word? Or do I massage feelings and encourage women to be out of control while spouting out their anxieties and emotions? Do I train younger women to be pure? Are the women around me edified to have pure minds, pure hearts, pure consciousness, pure eyes, pure words? Or by my example and influence, do I encourage people toward toward worldliness? Do I train younger women to submit to their own husbands? If a friend was to come to me with a disagreement she's having with her husband, is she more likely to be encouraged in her rights or to be encouraged and reminded to adapt herself to to and align herself under her husband and God's word? Do I train younger women to be kind? Are women around me being influenced toward a good-natured and content approach to life? 
And then finally, do I train younger women with the overreaching goal that God's word would be given greater credit and honor in the hearts and lives of those who I influence? Is this your motivation that drives my interactions with younger women? Okay, and finally, you can keep that for yourself. I don't think that was for anyone but yourself. We need to make this a priority. We have, when we were going over those questions, and I'm hearing all the answers, you guys know the Bible well. But now we need to connect and make this that discipleship relationship a priority. Would you like me to pray now or just to? Okay. Okay. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for Titus 2 and for giving us this pattern to live godly lives. I pray that this is every woman's goal and desire as we become more like you. Lord, help us to live in such a way to encourage, to teach, and to train other women to be useful for you. Guide us all to spend our time wisely while making this a priority. God, can continue to instruct us to live in a way that our life can become a pattern of your grace that can be used to mentor all for your glory. Amen.